Hello and welcome to Nerd Subculture. I'm your host, Jared. And I'm Edwina. And doing our Once More Feeling series on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, today's episode is Season 3, Episode 12, Helpless. Helpless. This episode first aired January 19th, 1999, written by David Fury and directed by James A. Contener. Eddie. Ah, this is a full spoiler podcast. I'm a huge fan, but Jared has never watched the series all the way through and I'm trying to convince him it's worth his time. I think from here on out for the rest of the season, we get some really good quality episodes. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to that then. <laughs> yes. This wasn't too bad, I oh, guess. Oh, no, this, is, this, is, this was actually a good episode. Yeah. Um, but as I, as I said, there's no more gingerbread teacher pet <laughs> teacher's yeah, none pet of that. type episodes no no uh, PSA episodes no yeah no we've they've moved on from that now haven't they they're they're better than that they don't need to yeah. as I said before adhere to sort of any quotas from networks or anything like that they can uh, yeah. they've been given a license to do what they want I think when you're in your third season I think you're pretty well established at this stage yeah so, so yeah good for them yeah so th- yeah from here on out we get a lot of good episodes Nine. So it was good watching this one, rewatching this one for you. Yeah, yeah, I I like this episode. It's Mm. um, it's so like it's probably the scariest episode. Mm, Yeah, it was. Has real elements of horror in it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And there's, I think there's also I could go on about the the music (laughs) is just so, so so anxiety. Like you were just riddled with anxiety watching this episode. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, ah, do you want to go into the synopsis? Yeah, uh, right. The I'll uh, yep do that and uh, yeah, get back to it. In the library, Giles shows Buffy a variety of crystals to teach her how to identify them. Later on patrol, Buffy's strength suddenly deserts her, and she is nearly killed by a vampire. Buffy reports the problem to Giles and demonstrates her poor performance when throwing knives at a target. At home, Buffy is disappointed to find that her father is too busy to take her to the ice show for her 18th birthday. She suggests to Giles that he could take her instead. Giles has Buffy stare at the crystal until she falls into a trance, then injects her with a mysterious substance. Meanwhile, Quentin Travers, the head watcher, sets up an extreme test for the Slayer, assisted by two men named Hobson and Blair. Buffy tries to intervene when Cordelia's argument with an aggressive suitor becomes physical, but she is casually knocked aside. Buffy enlists the help of her friends to figure out what is wrong. She visits Angel, who gives her a book for her birthday. He tells her that he saw her before she was the Slayer and how he loved her from the second he first saw her. Creepy. Kralik, the captive vampire intended for Buffy's test, Pills. Pills. breaks out of his straitjacket and turns Blair into a vampire. Giles goes to find Quinton at the Sunnydale Arms building, but discovers that Kralik is missing and Hobson is dead. Buffy, walking home alone, is confronted by Kralik. Blair chases her until Giles drives by and picks her up. At the summer's home, Joyce hears a noise at the front when she finds Kralik wrapped up in Buffy's jacket. Just like Little Red Riding Hood. Giles tells Buffy that she has lost her strength due to the injections of muscle relaxant and adrenaline suppressor he had given her and about the test. Furious, Buffy returns home where she finds a picture of her mother bound to a chair and gagged by Kralik. Buffy goes to Sunnydale Arms building, beats Blair unconscious, and then is chased by Kralik until his need for pills becomes unbearable. Buffy steals him away and finds her mother. 
Kralik breaks through the door and grabs his pills back, washing them down with a nearby glass of water. Buffy had filled the glass with holy water, causing Kralik to burn from within. Buffy frees her mother as Giles arrives and stakes Blair. Back at the library, Quinton congratulates Buffy on her accomplishment, but Buffy is also angry with him. Quinton tells Giles that he is fired because his relationship with the Slayer is more of that of a father than a watcher. He tells Buffy that a new watcher will be assigned to her and warns Giles not to interfere before leaving. Buffy allows Giles to tend to her wounds. At home, Buffy has not yet recovered her strength and fails to open a jar in a kitchen. Xander tries unsuccessfully to open it, then he asks Willow to help him out. The end. Okay, Eddie. What have we got? All right. Yeah, this is probably the most tense and horror-centric episode of the entire series. Um, and it's, it really does have, like, some truly creepy horror elements to it. Yeah. And Buffy's actually vulnerable. <laughs> like, she is true. Like, this is probably the most vulnerable that she is in the entire series. Um, there's sort of, like last week, a little bit of a mix of fairy tale into this episode. Like, there's sort of this little Red Riding Hood theme that kind of runs throughout with her, like she's wearing that red hoodie yeah she's never worn that before has she no yeah 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 it was it kind of stuck out i noticed uh her that i've never seen her wear that before so yeah the, uh, over, the overalls of shame also yeah they make <laughs> a return make a yeah ready to call on that yeah um and yeah and you've got Kralik hiding pretending to be buffy kind of like the wolf pretending to be the grandmother Oh, yes, yeah. Thing, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Well yeah. done, Eddie, yeah. And also talking about eating her mother's <laughs> face because it's, um, I think, in the original, um, you know how, like, the original fairy tales are normally far grimmer. Yeah, uh, Little Red Riding Hood, I haven't looked that up or anything, but I do know that's, I think it involves rape or something along, uh, along and, the lines of and that. And the wolf has her eat her mother. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, like yeah, tricks, it's, it's pretty the dark. The wolf tricks her into eating the grandmother. Oh, God. As well. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about that part. <laughs> I've sort of heard about the other one, but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. Uh, you're thinking of Sleeping Beauty, isn't it, that has a bit of rape in it? Um, no, no. There's definitely something in that with Little Red Riding Hood and the red being symbolic of sort of something else as well uh, okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay i hope that that answers a little bit uh, your, your question <laughs> uh yeah and i don't know the stakes feel pretty high in this like it, it kind of escalates and it escalates and escalates mm. um and um as i was saying before christoph beck's score is it's almost reminiscent of Psycho, that what is it? That high pitched cello kind of. Uh, oh, yeah. I think that's the violin stroking. Is that the violin? That's violin's doing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, he does use the cello as well. The, the dun 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 dun. That's yeah. the cello, but the ring ring ring. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's, it's a, slightly. A, a it's not. Yeah, it's slightly similar, but also with those lower cello tones through it as well. But yeah. yeah. It's it's really good, um, so that's sort of the standout of this, the standout things of this episode. Um, sort of, I could go into some talking points. 
Yeah, get going. What do you um, got? So let's talk about the Watchers Council because uh, they are yeah. the These guys suck. absolute worst. Um, you know, representing the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they are using the loophole that we've talked about. What's a loophole? You know, where you just kind of put someone in a situation that they can't get out of and let the like the bad thing that's about to happen kill them. Uh, well, you're Batman, saying regards Batman, to the test. Batman on I, a train. Yeah, I, yeah, you're saying with regards to the test. So... All right, let's talk about the test. So they have a test that they use on the Slayers. When, when, when she turns 18. If she turns 18. <laughs> yes. If she gets to 18. Yes. Uh, they put her through this test. Um, As a rite of passage. Yeah, a rite of passage. I mean, I, at this point, she's obviously killed, you know, dozens if not hundreds of vampires. So um, – they take her powers away and put up against a vampire that's very strong or something. Or uh, no, it? he's he's just dera- he's just a really crazy deranged. Right, so he so was a, he was a crazy deranged human, mm-hmm. which has made him about a thousand times worse as a vampire. Yeah, so he still needs his medication as a vampire. The the vampire gene didn't fix that part of him, sort no. of thing. He still no, he needs he still those. carried his mental illness with him. That's that's kind of interesting. That yeah. Uh, because you've seen in the past it can cure deadly uh, diseases that you have. Yeah. So it can regenerate you in some way in that aspect that yeah. you won't have that deadly virus or deadly But maybe it doesn't anymore. work on your brain chemistry. But your brain, whatever your brain is, is, yeah. uh, is so what it is. So apparently he had been quite um, highly traumatized as a child. So. It sounded like it. He, said, he spoke a lot about his mother. <laughs> that's never a good sign. <laughs> that he was tortured by his mother. Well, see, well that's kind of similar to uh, Drusilla. So she obviously had some uh, mental uh, illness when she was converted. So yeah. and she still still seemed to retain that when her vampire state. So I yeah. guess that's uh, canon. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this test, this rite of passage, but yeah, it's actually just a system of control to keep the slayers young and easily pliable. Yeah. Um, and in line, so to speak. And he and he re- seemed to, didn't really have any care in the world. Like, oh, no, you like, passed the test. Oh, well, good for you. You know. No, but he was also kind of like, oh, we're here for the greater good. We have to make sure the Slayers are strong, you know, a, a really strong Slayer. Otherwise, we need someone to take her place. And I'm like, wouldn't a well-trained, experienced Slayer be more valuable to the greater good than a new, untrained Slayer? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense at all. Unless you're trying to keep... This, well, the whole problem is is that once uh, a girl reaches 18, they probably don't want to spend their entire life killing things. <laughs> like perhaps yeah. they might want a family and boyfriend and friends and a life and a job. Mm, but, yeah, with less control if they have that, isn't it? Yeah, but they've got no control over them. So um, this way they keep their control. And it really is about controlling the Slayer. And I think from this point on... Buffy starts to mistrust the Watchers Council. And with good reason, they're not very trustworthy. Well, no, not not at all. They 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 basically just tried to kill her. They also haven't shown themselves to be overly competent. No, they haven't. They seem completely incompetent and uh, irrelevant too. Yeah. Like she's doing all this without them being there. I mean, the only thing that they've, you know, trained, quote unquote, Giles to train her. 
Uh, but where but where is Faith's watcher? Like they should have a separate watcher each. Like it seems really unfair that they're sharing the same watcher. Well, he's not even sharing. He's not even bothering her with her. He's, he's, he, yeah. She's off doing her <laughs> own thing. Yeah, but I, I don't think Faith can handle, like, well, maybe she could handle a, like, I think Faith actually needs, like, that parental figure as well. And they're just completely ignoring the fact that that's what Faith needs instead. Yeah. She's, she's being shared with another watcher. Like, it just makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they're deeply flawed. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I can really, that I really had as a talking point uh, was the room full of Polaroid pictures, and it and it is a great um, what set piece? Like it's really really creepy. But I think the logistics of actually him carrying that out would be very difficult. Yeah, funny enough, I actually looked up the price for Polaroid. So I mean, how many Polaroid pictures up there? Like a few hundred. Oh, there was thousands. Thousands. So you're looking. Uh, this is on Amazon. You're looking about forty six Australian dollars for sixty shots. So no, s- but this was – okay, that's now. But, like, I, we have to remember I was studying photography at the time, like probably around the time that this was airing. Yeah. Um, and by that stage, digital cameras had just come out, which had actually made Polaroids pretty much completely well, obsolete. N- not really. I mean, Polaroids are still pretty popular though. Yeah, but they've had a comeback in like a retro phase yeah. type thing recently. Well, I think they've still maintained some sort of growth there. No, uh, but I'm, I'm talking about back then. It was, yeah. It, well, like, when digital I know, was, yeah. I know yeah. this because like we used to do like um, Polaroid transfers, which actually look really cool. Uh, but it was just so hard to get the Polaroid, <laughs> like the equipment to do it. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, and again, mm-hmm. the the film was so expensive. Well, how much was it then? Can you remember? Oh, probably still like 40, 40 bucks a... For 60, 60 oh, shots? probably not even... Yeah? Probably, yeah, yeah, probably about 40 bucks, which is still yeah. quite expensive, like 20-something yeah. years ago. Yeah, so if you, if you had about 500 of those, uh, that means he went up to the shops. Yeah, and <laughs> but also you had to go to a specialty camera shop to get it. Yeah, well, he didn't order online from Amazon, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, to get it now, like, I don't even know. What, as I said, you could probably only get it online now. So, what would we say? Uh, oh, no, the, the all four walls were covered. Easily a thousand. You want to say a thousand? Yeah. Okay, so he would have needed about probably 16 of those, those rolls. Yeah. Okay. So, he would have spent about nearly 700 bucks. On Polaroids. Also, also, that would have taken a long time to do. <laughs> and uh, and also, don't, don't shake, shake it. Them. Don't shake it like a Polaroid. <laughs> uh, yeah, Polaroid had to give an announcement because uh, Outcast. Uh, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. It was giving out uh, misleading instructions what to do with Polaroids and do not shake them. We recommend you don't shake them, mm-hmm. even though everybody shakes them. <laughs> Um, no, you so, don't need to. Yeah. So what you were saying with the the scariness of this episode, so I noticed a little similarities with I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. With Sarah Michelle Gala running and screaming. Yeah. Like yeah. she really was like a, a scare girl or, you know, uh, a yeah, scream a fi- girl. final girl. A final girl. The way she was running at the end, she was really, yeah. ah, you know. Yeah. You know, running around, help, and then waving people down and, uh, and uh, yeah, looking really panicky. So it seemed really out of character for her. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, 
So does that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, had you seen this episode? No, no. No, never okay. seen this episode. All right. Um, this episode cements Giles as Buffy's father figure. Like, though he does let her down, like, her dad is now at the point where he's completely absent from her life. Mm, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's sometimes that person who lets you down one too many times. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I don't think we even hear of Hank Summers again. For the rest. He doesn't come back? He does not come back at all. Oh, okay. We never see him again. No. No. Okay. But even Buffy can't even contact him. Um, you get her like sort of this loss of innocence mm-hmm. with this episode where pretty much all the authority figures around her disappoint her so yeah. much. And it, it's heartbreaking, like that scene with Buffy in the library with Giles. Yeah, and him um, telling what he's been doing to her. Yeah. So he, he did it at the start then because he asked yeah. her to look at the uh, – I re-watched yeah. it. He asked her to look at that blue glass and look look intently of it. Then it, then it cuts – yeah. And then the next scene when she's fighting the vampire, her powers just suddenly disappear. Yeah. And she is absolutely heartbroken. Mm. And and it's even more heartbreaking when she's trying to ask him to go to the ice show with her and he's completely ignoring. Yeah. Completely ignoring what she's asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, do, he doesn't even register it. Like he's, he's just so, well, a little distracted at the fact he's got to drug her. Yeah. And... uh yeah, just can't yeah. sort of focus what she's saying. But also um, her loss of trust for the for the Watchers Council because I think up until that point she thought that they were on her side. Yeah. And now she realises that they don't give a shit about the Slayer. Which is why they even exist. It's uh, Yeah, we've touched on this before. So, yeah. So, um, and I think this is when she starts sort of seeing things in a similar light to... Faith. In, in what way is that? Uh, well, Faith Faith has a general mistrust of authority. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have another birthday episode of Buffy. And I think we get one nearly every season. Right. And yeah. her birthday is generally cursed. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, good, like, nothing good happens on a birthday. Nothing good ever happens on Buffy's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no one seems to acknowledge it even. I think. Were they friends? Did they didn't do anything for her? Or? Uh, I think she, because she was going somewhere, like she was meant to go to the ice show with her oh, dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. yeah. They asked her if she wanted to party and she said no. Hmm. Well. So, but yeah, is and is, I don't know, turning 18 is a big rite of, is it is it a big rite of passage in America? Yeah, that's a good question because in Australia, that's the age when you can get your license and you're allowed to drink and stuff. So yeah. I know in but that's every state. Like I think South Australia, you can get your license at 17. 16. 16, is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I think that, that's funny. Like I think some states in America, you can get your license at that young age. But I think the majority of them, you can't drink until 21. In the US. In the US, yeah. 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 I think you can get driver's license I always younger thought, yeah. than that. So I always thought the, the big one here is that 18 is our legal drinking age. Yeah, so that's usually the big one. Uh, but then 21 is usually pretty big too. So I'm not sure... Why that is? Um, maybe, it, maybe I think we're just taking it from America. So we it, it could be, it could be that 21st. influence. That's a American yeah. influence of twenty-one being a big birthday, and we've just adopted that. But yeah, definitely, eighteen is is uh, is you know you're legal now, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> but generally you have a big eighteenth birthday. Yeah, yeah. 
I suppose when you're young, you have lots of big birthdays, don't you? So <laughs> even your twentieth birthday is pretty big. I don't think I. No, I had a I had a big eighteenth and a big twenty first. Yeah. Now, did you go down any rabbit holes? Uh, no, not really rabbit holes, I suppose. But uh, the actor who played Kralik. Ah, uh, oh, Jeff. Jeff Cobber. Yeah, he's now, such a great villain. This guy, I mean, um, he's got such a unique look. And every time I see this guy in something, I've, I've actually learned his name now. And I'll, I'm not going to forget it now. I've seen him in so many. I mean, if you look at his IMDb page. He's it's been just, in everything. Oh, and if I could just do a little quick roll call here. So his first credit, Law V. And order. V. V. He was in V. <laughs> which which one? The one in the? Uh, no, the original one. The 985 okay. show, yeah. which is a really good show. And yeah, he does look like an alien. So he probably suited <laughs> that part perfectly. Yeah. Start, so that's his first gig. Uh, v, Highway to Heaven, Twilight Zone, uh, MacGyver, um, Alien Nation, the Alien Nation movie uh, he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to have been in some sort of Star Trek. Uh, China Beach, uh, are we getting there? Um, I'm, I'm not really reading them all, just the ones you'd know. The X-Files, uh, Earth 2. I, I love that show. <laughs> I remember that show. Um, Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, The Pretender. Now, he normally plays a bad guy, like a villain yeah, of some sort. Yeah, I'm still going here. Seven yeah. Days, uh, Charmed. Yeah, I was about the next one I was about to say, I'm pretty yeah, sure he's Star in Star Trek Char- Enterprise. Charmed. I said a Star Trek, yeah. Yeah. ER, The Shield, The Guardian, NYPD Blue. Got to be Laura Norton, SVU, and I remember him in that episode too, because he played like a strange, weird cult leader guy. Then they move. He looks like a cult leader. He does. Twenty-four, Supernatural. Yeah. Reaper. Remember that show? Yeah. Cold Case, Burn Notice, Lost, CSI Miami, Laura Norton, LA, CSI, the normal one, New Girl, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Sons of Anarchy, Walking Dead, NCIS, New Orleans. Uh, he was in that Sully movie as well. I mean, this guy, uh, although it seems like he's sort of slowed down a little bit in the last few years. I don't blame him. You know, he's he's done a lot. Um, and he just, as I was saying, he's just got that unique face that I just see and I recognize him straight away. Uh, and it also reminds me of uh, Tommy Wiseau. Yes, yes. Yeah, so definitely. Tommy Wiseau's got that unique face and there's even that funny scene in the, in the room where the customer says, oh, I didn't didn't recognize you. <laughs> didn't recognize you there, Johnny. Like, what? You didn't recognize him? You'd never forget that guy. If you, that guy came into your shop, you'd remember him. If he just yeah. came in once and got something, yeah. you're like, I remember that guy. Um, and it's brought up in The Disaster Artist, um, one of the directors, I think they use, oh, what's that, Judd Apatow, the director, uh, tells him that he shouldn't be going for these um, leading man roles. He should be going for the – he looks like a villain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what is it, Jeff Cobber? He found a niche market for that bad guy villain role. Yeah. So I think that's I why – I hear you. And that's why he sort of consistently worked for – Many, many years. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, yeah, he's basically in, in and out and that's what he does. And, and also made me think of Jennifer Grey. So, you know, Jennifer Grey, if you're not, can't remember who it is I'm talking about. She's it, in Dirty Dancing. The Dirty Dancing Girl. Um, uh, so Ferris Bueller's Day. Ferris Bueller's Day. Off. She was dating um, Matthew Broderick for a while as well. Yeah. Um, and had a nasty accident in Ireland. 
Did you oh, hear about that? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Matthew Broderick killed two people. Did you know that? No, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Got fined like $170 and that was oh, it. Yeah. God. Like he, re- he, I think he drove on the wrong side of the road from what I'm understanding what happened. Ah. And she was in the car with him. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And is got that, pretty is bad that, whiplash. Is that why she had a nose fixed? <laughs> I was actually thinking that. <laughs> Was there a reason? Was it the car accident that she got it fixed? So that's all leading up to what I was going to say is that, you know, she had a nose on her face, that Roman looking nose, dare I quote, air quote, that Barbara Streisand sort of looking nose. But um, so it was, she was unique, okay? She and, had a uh, unique face, yeah. And uh, so she made those first few. Uh, she was in the, uh, the Wolverines movie. Oh, is it called the Wolverines? Sorry, Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Which yeah. starred Patrick Swayze as well. So she yeah. starred with him twice in a few years. Yeah. She had a unique look. Yes, she had a unique look and then she had a plastic surgery on her nose and no one recognised her and, and it ended her career virtually. Although she has acted. Uh, she did end up, the last time I think I saw her was in a sitcom where she played herself and everyone's like, you don't look like Jennifer. And it's actually like about pretty much the fact that she made a huge mistake yeah. doing plastic surgery on her nose. Yeah, so it's better to be unique than... Than, generic. Uh, generic, yeah. yeah. But people will remember you, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, even like someone po- probably thought that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was like the ugliest person they ever seen. <laughs> yes. And now he's a sex idol, you know. And I, I think I remember reading but Ryan. That's, but that's kind of like Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I don't think anyone realised how popular Loki was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Like the character of Loki. I think after... Um, I think the second Thor movie, mm. all of a sudden women were swooning, <laughs> swooning <laughs> over Loki. <laughs> More Loki, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, that they probably would have cast some big hunk guy if they were well, planning to do something well, it was with Loki. Kind of a, well, it was kind of a risk, that first Thor movie, because both Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston weren't recognisable names at no, the time. no. They I didn't know who they were, to be honest. Yeah, I they, never they seen Chris Hemsworth. He was in Home and Away. <laughs> Actually, no, I knew him from Star Trek. Before or after Star Trek. He's not in Star Trek. Yeah, he is. Chris Hemsworth is. Oh, yeah, he's at the he start. He plays his father at the yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. The little So he intro. plays the cr- father of Chris Pine. <laughs> Why do I always want to call it say that, say it that way? Chris Christopher, Pine. Christopher Pine. Christopher Pine. Um, David Hayden Jones, who plays Hobson, was in... Uh, supernatural mm-hmm. as a similar uh, as part of a similar organization called the men of letters uh but he's part of the so sam sam and dean winchester are part of the men of letters well they're in one of the men of letters bases in america yeah um and they find out that there's actually like other <laughs> divisions around the world um and one of them's in britain and they have one of the men of letters guys but yeah they're not good they're not really good and they're not really evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just like their letters, huh? Yeah. You know, it's that we're, we're doing it for the greater good. Uh, <laughs> the greater yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I've heard that one before. Um, and just all oh, the act, the other guy, uh, Blair, was it? Uh, yep. Who's so Dominic Keating. Yep. So uh, I thought he looked He's familiar. Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek Enterprise and many other things. He's a main character in Star Trek. Yeah. Right? So look, I got. Oh, he looks familiar. 
Um, yeah, that's him. Because actually you were sitting there going, he looks really, really familiar. And I didn't want to look him up because I don't want to look up people or and things. And he said, and he just said, is he, have I seen him in something or does he just look like Martin Short? <laughs> yeah. I think he gets that a lot. Yeah. Get Martin, let's get Martin Short here. Or a younger a, Martin Short. A Martin Short type. Type, Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's how some actors get cast. They're like, yeah, yeah, because uh, you know, Meth Damon. Yeah, Meth Damon. Well, he was actually cast as a younger version of Matt Damon in a movie. I don't know, I'm not sure what movie it was. Mm. But yeah, he was cast as a younger version of Matt Damon. Yeah. So he, it does happen. Yes. And then they go on to have their own career. Yes, as Meth Damon. As Meth Damon. <laughs> Just because he was in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, he's in Breaking Bad. Yeah, they call him Meth Damon now. <laughs> um. Should we go into questions? Yeah, now? I'm ready. Let's do it. Answer the question. Uh, Jared, which character was your favourite? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Kralik. It's Kralik, yeah. Yeah, I had Kralik too. He's so scary. Mm, yeah. So threatening. Every, every scene with him in there. Chewing that scenery yeah. to perfection. Yeah, it's what he's hired to do, and, and you he know, does it well. Well, you know that they bring back that actor because you said that you said that to me as well. Now, what did I say? I think uh, I'm glad to see that guy's gone. Not to come back as a witch or a warlock or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling you might have seen that. And that just goes to my point. I saw him in one scene and recognised him. Yeah, and it's almost like um, the other guy has been in it a couple of times too. The 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 bounty hunter alien from, yeah, from yeah. Uh, is same thing as well, you know? Yeah. So I don't think they get lead roles because I think they're too distracting. They're just meant to be there in the background. Uh, yeah, they don't They don't have the face of a leading man though. That's no, they the, don't, yeah. They do have that very chiseled mm. villain look. Yeah, always a villain. Um, and I was actually watching some videos uh, with him too and he seemed like a really nice guy as well. Yeah, I've I've heard him in, in interviews and stuff. He's yeah. He was really talking about the Walking Dead and the scene where they had to. It was a scene where Rick ripped out the piece of flesh from his neck. That's how we killed him. Oh, but, okay. Do you remember that scene? And no. uh, I said, oh, it was like four o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the night. It was freezing cold, and uh, yeah, uh, that Andrew Lincoln like ripped out a, a piece of raw chicken <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> apparently, he wanted to do it to make it look real. Okay. <laughs> it's commitment. <laughs> um, which character do you love to hate? So the Quinton Travers. Quinton Travers and the Watchers Council, the true villains of yeah. this episode. Oh, definitely they are, yeah. The yeah. true, true villains. Apparently of this. they made the name Quinton Travers. It's the most English name they could think of. I don't know. That Blair guy was pretty... Tony Blair? Tony Blair. <laughs> That's what I thought of the moment I that. <laughs> Tony Blair, yeah. And Hobson. That's... What do you've got? That Hobson... Oh, I think it's a chain, isn't there, or something? Yeah, Hobbs, yeah. There's Hobbs and something. Yeah, there's some sort of chain in in Britain. Hobbs and, and something. <laughs> Hobbs and Sons. Yeah. Hobbs and Sons. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't quite remember. I, I can. I've got the logo in my head. <laughs> remember the logo. <laughs> but I can't actually remember what it was. Okay. Um, what was the most memorable fight scene? I did kind of like the angel. Buffy fight at the start. Oh, yeah, where she kills him with a the baguette. Piece of, with a baguette. <laughs> yeah, she stabs him with a baguette. Yeah. Um, probably that whole cat and mouse sequence. But that was pretty cool, actually, yeah. Um, LOL moment. 
The Burning Cross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> lower, lower. Yeah, when he's like <laughs> getting off on it. Yeah, so it's like, just move it a little bit lower. Oh, yeah, that's the spot. <laughs> Something slightly sexual. Yeah, like some yeah sort he was really getting really off on Really perverse that. pleasure in, yeah. Yeah, something very sadistic in there was, uh, yeah. Really enjoying it a little too much. Yes. You could see her face on it, just completely grossed her out. It's like, oh, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> um, yeah, mine had to be the, I kind of burst out laughing at the, when she turns the light on in the room with all the Polaroids. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh. <laughs> I think it's it's not the scene that's funny per se, but the fact that he would have... <laughs> he would have the, the it's logistics of him doing that. The logistics of him doing that. He would have spent so many hours doing that. Well, he got all the money and got went at night, got all the Polaroids, took all the pictures with you know Joyce there, uh, getting drawing them all out and uh, setting them all up. So it's a lot of effort that went into that. That would have taken hours to do. Oh, hours and hours. Yeah. Like I don't know where he found the time to do. How long does it take a Polaroid to? to oh, change? it's a couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. Yeah. 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 It's all day he spent doing that. They couldn't have all been of Joyce. Like, mm. oh, but from when he gets loose till, well, that's perhaps where he is when, because Giles walks in and finds one of them. Oh, so maybe he was down there doing Polaroids. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he was probably out at that time trying to get oh, the. Oh, getting the Polaroid film, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's when he went out to get the Polaroid film. Is is it something creepy about Polaroids as well? Yeah, they generally are. In There's like this dark undertone when you when you show a Polaroid to someone. Like, I was just I was like just thinking about that. Like even in um in Superman, the uh, uh, Superman v, v Batman, well, and Lex starts throwing the Polaroids of uh, Superman's mum. Yeah, bagged so, up, uh, chained up exactly the same way at him. You know, like it's yeah. always confronting. If you're going to abduct someone, it's got to be a Polaroid. Yeah, because I think in those days, like you'd get report, like because remember you used to have to send out your photos to get um, developed. Yeah, so if you didn't and a want lot someone... of times, if you had inappropriate, if you'd yeah. taken inappropriate photos, you'd get reported to the police. Yeah, like they would report you if there's pornography or. Uh, not pornography, uh, per se. I think a lot of the oh, times. No, it was, that, it, well, yeah. it, de- it depends. Like on, on the, if it's just a husband and wife, then that just means they're making copies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard from people who used to work in there. It's like, oh, we're making doubles of these. Let's go into on the collection, you know. Um, but if it's something you know illegal, uh, then they have to report it. I think that was part of the code. If it was illegal activity in the photo, they had to report it. Yeah. Whether it was drug taking and stuff like that, I think even. Or generally, people tied up to chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but also it would take a week. Like, oh, you could get your one-hour photos. Hmm. Um, but I don't know where I lived. They didn't have it one hour. Like, it would take weeks to yeah. get your photos back from the chemist. And you're always so <laughs> anxious to get them and excited. Oh, look at all our photos are here. And, but see, it's like in even in Batman v Superman, like he, uh, Lex could have just shown him a picture of his mother. On his phone. On yeah. his phone. Like, he could have just done that. But he's done the Polaroid thing. So, that it's... There's a creepy undertone when you say, or well, we, yeah, you use Polaroids instead of uh, a digital phone, which he could have easily have done. Yeah. So they've got a bad rap. Yeah. Or maybe it's because there's no way of trace, like, you know, a digital photo you can trace, like, whereas a Polaroid, you've got no way of tracing it. Yeah. But there's like, it just seems like a big exclamation mark if you use a Polaroid, like, oh, look at this shit we've done, you know? Like, <laughs> like if you just show them a photo, like, who cares, you know? But a Polaroid, oh, oh, shit, now. Well, 
Yeah, but as I said, a photo has a tag in it. Like you'd you'd know where it was taken. So all that Superman had to do was kill him, take his phone, and he would have found her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so in that case, I can understand why they. Yeah, but it's just seeing someone uh, being bandaged up in a Polaroid just seems so typical, though. Yeah. It's well, uh, a I think I think yeah, as you said, it's not just Batman versus Superman. It's other movies use that the polar as you said there is always a sleazy undertone to the polaroid yeah yeah um favorite scene i just wrote Kralik down <laughs> anything with him in it uh, i think every scene he's in can you be a bit more uh all Ma- maybe do the one with probably any scene with joyce and Kralik. no just him in general <laughs> every scene he was in every scene he was in was the best scene like just yeah go every scene he was in it was the best scene <laughs> I can't, I can't pick one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, I was going to say um, probably the one when Buffy tricks him into drinking the holy water. Yes, I'll just drink this water that's sitting here. <laughs> yes. Um, we're in her, and then she pulls the bottle out of her overalls of shame. Um, uh, least favourite scene. Uh, what I've got written down here is Willow with the stupid hats. <laughs> She's hardly in the episode. Yeah. Oh, it is that last episode, that last, sorry, it is in that last scene where she's going on about Giles getting fired from mm-hmm. the Watchers Council. And she's like, oh, he's jobless. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, she's like getting really quite worked up about it. Yeah. I'm like, he hasn't been fired from being a librarian. Hmm. Yeah. He's just been fired from a job that he's probably going to keep doing anyway. Um, yeah, mine is when Quentin is all, the test is still valid, blah, blah, blah. But Giles, you're fired. Hmm. You have the father's love for the girl. Oh, absolute disgust, you know. How Ugh. dare you care about her? Yeah. Ugh. And as we know, that's what gives Buffy power is actually having these connections in the world, having, you know, love and support from mm. people. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is important and they don't hold it in any, they hold it in complete disregard. Yeah. Um, Someone needs to blow them up or something, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Maybe. Just saying. Just one day, maybe. Um, Favourite quote. Uh, the conversation between Buffy and Angel. Uh, Buffy says, nice attempt at casual. Actually, I do have a date. Older man, very handsome, likes him when I call him daddy. And Angel responds, huh, your father. It's your father, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, my favourite quote is from Buffy after she gives uh, Krell- or tricks Krellick into drinking the holy water. And she says, if I was at full Slayer power... I'd be punning right about now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was a good one, actually. I liked that one. Yeah. Uh, best Cordelia freakout moments. Uh, I like the part where um, it's an impeccable timing on her part where uh, Buffy and Giles are having that super deep argument and she comes storming in. Oblivious to what's going on. Have you got this as well? Yep. Okay. Uh, I'll read it out. What's going on? Oh, God. Is it is the, is the world ending? I have to research a paper in Bosnia tomorrow. 
But if the world's ending, I'm not going to bother. You can't walk home alone. Buffy, it isn't safe. And then Buffy says, I don't know you. And Cordelia follows it with, did someone take her memory? His Giles. Giles. He hangs out here a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And then Buffy says, Cordelia, could you please drive me home? Which is just like, of course. Mm -hmm. But but if the world doesn't end, I'm going to need a note. Yeah. Yeah, I like how she's just like, of course. Like without Well, she finally s- works out what's going on. Like she's just walking into something uh a big confrontation between Giles and uh Buffy and she's uh yeah, suddenly realized that oh I think something else is going on here. Yeah, but she's no longer in bitchy mm-hmm. Cordelia mode anymore. Yeah. She's she's part of she's back being friends with them. Yeah. So to speak. Um who gets the wooden spoon? Yeah, Quentin, Travers, and yeah, uh, watches. the watches cancel. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, <sighs> and then they still claim it as, oh no, it was a success. How was mm. it a success? Yeah, I'm shaking my head. I'm shaking my <laughs> head. It's not an ex- not a success. It's yeah. Your vampire got free. Mm-hmm. Killed two of your guys. Brutally murdered one, mm-hmm. and turned the other one into a vampire. Yeah, Addu- abducted someone as well, and yeah, abducted yeah. Abducted your slayer's mum, so mm. got her involved. Absolute success. Go pat ourselves on the back, I think, for this one. <laughs> no, but it, is it one of those things where it all turned to hell and then you turn around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it was supposed to go that way. <laughs> and no extra charge. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was supposed to go that way. Yeah. That's yep. the way it was meant to go. Oh, well, just part of the plan. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, who's the MVP of the episode? Oh, I think Buffy. Had yeah. to be the MVP, yeah. Fight the patriarchy. Fight. Oh, God, not this again. <laughs> <coughs> what do you rate the episode out of 10? Uh, I gave it four baguette steaks <laughs> out of 10. Only four? Four, yeah, maybe really? five. I can go five. Uh, I'll five? I, I give a one five. extra for Zalik. Yeah. Okay. Zalik? Kralik. Kralik, sorry. Kralik. Um, yeah, I'd probably go seven out of ten hypnotizing crystals. Yeah. Do those crystals come back? Never. No. Damn it. You'd think that'd be They seem really they seem really helpful and uh powerful. Like you could just uh subdue someone quite easily with that. Do they work on vampires? I don't know. Oh, oh well. I don't know. I didn't think uh vampires could show up in photographs, but apparently they can. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, like cameras use mirrors. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> I, I just thought of that, yeah. Hmm. It almost looked like something from um, uh, How I Met Your Mother in some of those photos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're at the end now, Eddie. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to throw in, throw in the, in the, uh, in a, throw on the bus, me under the bus or anything? No. Well, I think we can uh, wrap this up for today, can't we, Eddie? So, I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to us. My name is Jared. We are Nerd Subculture. And you are... I'm Edwina. And you're Edwina. And where can you find us, Edwina? Uh, you can find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. There is a Facebook group. And you can email us at nerdsubculture 
at gmail.com. And always be sure to like, share, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye. Grr, arg.